0: Welcome to Union Money, I'm Brian Hurst, this evening we're concentrating once again on estate planning. Although estate planning encompasses investment tax and retirement planning, the two critical components that blanket all of this is a valid will and the use of either a testamentary or inter trust. It amazes me how many talk about an old will and when it comes to their trust, they've never even read, the, read their trust deed. Both these documents need to be reviewed on a regular basis because if there are shortcomings or missions, they often only surface on the demise of the individual, and this can cause untold problems for beneficiaries. Joining this evening, is our regular guest, Gordon Stewart, Managed Director of Cura, and Harry Joppy, Head of Legal Services. Gordon, Hello, for Brian. Us. Compliments of Brian. the season. Thank happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> happy,
1: happy birthday. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, boy. Thank you. Thank you, Disperse, for
0: giving me the best present I could have got. I'll okay. Man United. Okay. Harry, you didn't bring cake to the studio, so we'll get straight on to the subject. Yes. I've got a lot of emails tonight, uh, a lot to get through, and we will be giving out a number. Well, I'll give it out now because people like to call 011-483-1518. Let's start with this first question. Gordon, yeah. how many people don't read their trustees?
2: What is an old will? These is an I role. think you've got to start off by saying that, first of all, a will is not like a <coughs> fine red wine. It's not going to appreciate with age. It's a bit more like milk. It's just going to go off. And that's always been my philosophy, is that a will should be reviewed at least once to every, kind of every year to every two years. Or if there's been changes in circumstances, perhaps you've got married, perhaps you got a child. A lot of South Africans are investing offshore. Um, a divorce, you name it. There's so many different reasons why your will should be looked at. Similar with trustees. Uh, although I must now, f- I find now that a lot of my clients, when we set up a new trust for them from an offshore perspective, they're going through that document with a fine tooth comb. Locally, they wouldn't, they wouldn't read it, uh, or very few would. Whereas with the offshore, people are looking at it. Harry, locally, I mean, people think a trustee is like you, something you just take off a shelf.
1: Yeah, I mean, Brian, uh, you get so many cases now that are coming to court where people haven't read the trust and they mm. haven't followed through what the consequences are. So, I mean, we had a case last year, it, it was a will, not, but it was linked to a trust. The guy died and left his house in Santon to his wife. Now, by the time he had died, they didn't have a house in Santon, they were in a retirement home in Stellenbosch. Now, there's a the whole fight uh, does she get the, the retirement home in Stellenbosch? Because it's not mentioned in the will. Mm. Now, I mean, you can assume that she would, but you can't assume you in, can't will. Assume you gotta in the will. You've got to get the court to do that for you. So that's a kind of mistake that creates litigation, and even if it's unopposed, you still ought to go to court mm. to get the court to approve it. S- so Brian,
2: sorry, help. I was gonna say, I remember when I was at uh, my previous company, I used to review and audit trustees, and I, I cannot remember ever giving a trustee a 100% clean bill of health. There was always something in it that was wrong.
1: Even your own trustees?
2: No, never, uh, never. My old trustees. Those, those were brilliantly <laughs> drafted. <laughs> I had a trustee last year.
1: The guy was an immigrant from England. Couldn't speak a word of Afrikaans, and his trustee was in Afrikaans. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. the kind of thing. So, you so up let's though.
0: get back to the simple document, the will. You've got a will. P- everyone seems think it's an old will. You want to change your executor. You want to add uh, a, a beneficiary. You want to do something simple. Can you do it simply? I mean, do you have to go through a lawyer, or can you? Is it is it easy to do a codicil? Well, that's right. I mean, there's no law that says you can't Mm. do it yourself, but
1: there's always a problem doing it yourself because it's always the wrong person signing, or the wrong formalities. And remember, the wills act is very precise around formalities. Mm. You can do a codicil, and it can be a one-page codicil, but then you find the guys get their beneficiaries in the world to sign as a witness, and that's immediately a problem. So I would rather not. It's such a waste, you know, to save the two or three thousand rand to get the will done properly and then you end up in court with 100,000 yeah. Rand of court fees. You know, it's just not worth it.
0: But yeah. isn't that why a lot of people don't have a will because it costs money. D- you know, they go to the banks, the banks are prepared to do it for nothing, Correct. but they become the executors. Correct. So if you don't go through your bank, and it's not I, I don't always approve of an institution being an executor because you ve- you're not I to be I mean, I
1: know we've got to deal with our, the bank that we use, that either they can do it for free and be the executor, or they can not be the executor, they charge 2,000
0: Rand as a flat rate. But that's um, the point they're making a lot of people don't want to pay that and they don't think of executors fees and I mean you're pointing at 2000
2: rand I mean it's a, to do a well, will tell you, it takes yeah, a lot of time no and a lot of work well I mean if you look at the time involved you need to sit with someone who understands what you're wanting to achieve and who can then take your intentions and put it into a document that matches your requirements but that's done in a legal manner and so it
1: knows the right questions to ask. Yeah. I mean, it's not just a straightforward one-pager most mm. of our wills, most of our lives. You're looking at children you've got to look after. You're looking maybe at grandchildren, trust, testamentary trust. Assets, local assets. And both yeah, of sure. them are the most
0: important document because even if you only have a will f- for children in your, in, as a testamentary will, it's critical that the terms and conditions are laid out in that will. Exactly. Yeah, you've exactly. got minor
1: kids. I mean, that's a very serious mm. document. You need to look after any assets that accrue to them. You've got to appoint guardians. I mean, that's already more than one page, I can tell you.
0: We've got a lot of emails to get to, but I've got an email as I will call as I came on air from Frankie Incruence as he says, I've just inherited money from my father who died in the UK. Does this
2: form part of my estate? If, uh, if he leaves it offshore, no. If he brings it into South Africa, yes. Simple as that. We're assuming
1: his father was non-South African.
2: I yeah, well, would it says it the it father died in the UK. Let's, su- yeah. let's yeah. assume I'm make yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah.
0: If he was South African, of
1: course, then it would be a different story. Then it story. would be a difference. Yeah. Story. And this
0: afternoon, before I was coming on, I got this call, Harry. I don't know if this is a question we're going to deal with tonight, but they spoke about they want to sell some shares, and they don't know in selling the shares whether they can use time apportionment. This is from Harry, and he says, uh, "Can I use time apportionment per share?" if I select to use time apportionment today because I've had these shares since 1980 right. does that set up the precedence into the future? No,
1: no it doesn't. I mean that's the thing about CGT every year you can decide which method to use so you're not bound by a method and I mean shares and unit trusts are incredibly complicated unit trusts are even more complicated because mm-hmm. then there's last in first out average weighted but the simple answer is no you can choose every year a different method and you can choose whatever suits you.
0: That's what's nice about it. Well, you're watching In Your Money this evening. We talk estate plan. We've got some real super emails coming in this evening. It's going to tax my guests. You can call us on 011 <laughs> I've got them actually quite nervous. Harry, his birthday. So we, we won't give you too much of a hard time, Harry. Stay tuned. Welcome back to your new money this evening. We're discussing estate planning. My guests Gordon Stewart and Harry Joffrey would like to call us 011-483-1518. You can also email me on brian at bdtv.ca.ca. Leah in Johannesburg said, my situation is as follows. I've left my assets to my needier children in a trust. The trustees will be the child who's the major, the financial advisor and an independent trustee. How can I avoid one of the brothers or sisters trying to take control can I write this into the trust? How would that brother or sister take control? Okay, so let's let, let's examine this. It says that, that I'm going to leave it to needy children, so which means yeah. she's obviously leaving out some of her kids. Yeah, and she wants to make sure that the ki- the the children are in control together with the other trustees. But she's appointed only one child as a trustee. Mm. Well, it appears that one child per trust that she'll leave monies to each child, however many she's got. And they, together with the financial advisor and an independent trustee, will then look after the trust. She's saying, I want to avoid. Yeah, one child yeah. No, one of the, the, the other siblings, other siblings coming in. Yeah. In other words, can you, can you write that you can't? I mean, can a trustee invite anyone to a meeting?
2: No. No. I mean you, you yeah. would need the permission of the other trustees before you could just start randomly inviting in people who are either not trustees or they not even interest, beneficiaries. Exactly. They've got to have an interest. They've in got to have an interest. Second of all, look, there's nothing stopping the let's say the child who is the trustee. There's nothing stopping them from appointing someone else as their alternate. Now remember that even though you appoint that other person as the alternate, you still remain responsible and accountable. But what you could do is is that you could remove the power of a trustee to appoint an alternate, in which case then if child A was the appointed trustee, he couldn't then delegate that responsibility or ask the sibling B to come and sit in his place. Mm -hmm. But that would be a very risky thing to do for A to do in the first place because then B as the nominee of A could then make decisions which could come back and, and A would still be responsible and accountable. And I think, Brian, the point is you can put whatever you want in your trustee. As long as it's not contrary to public policy, you can put whatever you want, you can
1: exclude
0: whatever you want. There's no obligation to include people. Well, let's take our first call of the evening. You can still call us on 011-483-1518. Ivan, go ahead with the question, please. Hello, Brian. Yes, Uh, my name is Ivan. I have a will drafted, but it's in Afrikaans. I've been told that... um, it, when I pass away, my will that's drafted in Afrikaans won't be acceptable at the, in, in the su- uh, Supreme Court to be settled. Is that correct?
1: I doubt no, no, that. think true. No. I mean, there might be a bit of confusion. If you've got overseas assets mm. and you want to use your local will to cover your overseas assets, then obviously Afrikaans will be a problem for overseas because the, the master of the high court in the UK won't understand Afrikaans. You'll have to have it translated. So what are the official languages? In the UK, not hmm. yet. <laughs> but uh, in South Africa, it's still one of the 11 official languages. There's no problem. You don't have to have it no. in any particular language, as long as it's one of the
2: official languages. There is. There was a bit of an urban legend going around at one stage mm. that there wasn't, you know, people at the master didn't necessarily understand Afrikaans. So, therefore, it could cause problems. But it's, if it's an Afrikaans, it's one of the official but languages. There's no legal problem. Definitely. There's no legal issue. Tony in says, "What are the steps that I
0: need to take to become a non-resident in South Africa for tax purposes?" Well, you'd need to cease to be a
2: South African tax resident. But what a lot of people don't realise you've you got that experience. I mean, well, yeah, well, how I'm long s- do you have
0: to? Be I mean, is that three thirty-day no. rule no, no, that you've got to no, be out no, to no, for a no, minimum?
2: I think what's Im- there's, there's two types of tax residents in SA. Definitely. There's ordinarily resident and there's resident in terms of the physical presence test. Mm. So ordinarily resident is what all of us are. I sit in Mauritius. I'm still ordinarily resident. And I, for me to cease to be ordinarily resident is also a deemed capital gains tax event on my global assets, barring certain assets here in South Africa like immovable property. So you need to go through a formal process and stop being a South African tax resident, and it's a process you go through SARS. But there is a tax consequence attached.
0: But 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 so what about the 183 well, days? Well, that's the second test. No. i mean, that's, that's what Gordon was
2: talking about. So if you
1: art and it's, it's not one year, it's over a five-year period. So if you art over a five-year period. And you're not in South Africa for so many days and you're not ordinarily resident, yeah. the two together, yeah. then you can still break your residency. But that's no.
0: not in year one, that's in year six. So when mm-hmm. do you stop bec- I mean when do you stop declaring income, your offshore income? Let's say in your case, Gordon, you live in Mauritius. When now. you see,
2: Okay, I've got two types of income. I've got active and I've got passive. My active income yes. is technically still taxable in South Africa as part of my gross income. But it's excluded because of a particular unilateral provision in the Income Tax Act, Section 10102. We've discussed that before on the show, Brian. And that says that if I spend 183 days out the country with one continuous period of 60 days, then that is excluded from my South African taxable income. So that's something totally separate, that's what almost we would call unilateral tax relief in terms of the income tax. That's a tax specific
1: aid. exemption which, as yeah. we discussed, might be on the way out or might be reduced. Mm. It's probably going to be reduced to a certain
2: fixed amount of a million rand. The physical presence test is, is that, let's say we had someone in the UK who decided that they wanted to come to South Africa and spend the time in Cape Town, actually a bad example, um, But then they would look to see right 91 days in the year of assessment was that person here 91 days in the previous five years and it's always and 91 year and 91 previous five and aggregate of 915 if you tick all of those boxes then you become a South African tax resident on your global income and non-residents are only taxed according to source Whereas tax residents are taxed on global. So let me take the question a bit further. Then, when do you become
0: not liable for estate duty as this ex South African? If I now go state and live or income tax?
2: for estate duty. <laughs> oh, well, now you're getting very complicated. There's Brian. no definition for that. Yeah, you see, because
1: estate duty is ordinarily resident. There's yeah. no time test. And ordinarily resident is so difficult. I mean, we've been talking to Gordon. You know, you can leave the country and you can leave a flat here to come back to, or a gym membership mm-hmm. here, or you can have children here that you come and visit. And they can say that you're still ordinarily resident here. In fact, we've been told that they actually track your Facebook account if you leave the country and they check when you're coming back and how often you come back, and they can track your passport. And again, they just want to see that you haven't cut ties with South Africa. And it's not a time test anymore. Mm. It's an
0: actual objective test. So if you you immigrate to Australia, because Australia doesn't have estate duty inheritance taxes and everything and you take everything out with you, you will not be liable for estate duty
2: in South Africa. That's correct. That's correct. You have no assets left in South yeah. Africa. Yeah. Yes, But, jo- jo- sorry, on that, if you were an Australian who had assets in South Africa, then you would be subject to a state duty tax here in South Africa on those assets. On
0: your, as the source principle, yes. Yeah. Zaid in Please says, please could you comment on CETA's tax, which is levied on ush- u- offshore U.S. and U.K. investments upon the death of an we'll investor? That's that your
2: favourite? Yo yeah that that it's it's I mean, that, w- that that could take a program on its own it would and it's and it's actually a very punitive tax but let's just look at it in a brief kind of nutshell uh as a non-resident alien in america anything over sixty thousand us dollars is taxed at 40 percent and in the uk if it's a situs-based asset in other words if the asset sits in the uk uh, then anything over £325,000 is taxed at 40%.
1: Right, sorry, I've got to throw in here. And, and there's a
2: rollover in the UK, not in the US. There's a rollover so in the UK, not in the, in the US. US.
1: I've got to throw in a plug here for our product. If you've got offshore estate duty problems like this in America or the US, Discovery have got an offshore life policy, which pays out in dollars anywhere in the world,
0: which is ideal to cover these offshore estate duties. Mm-hmm. That's one of the main reasons we've set it up. And I think you t- said last time if you leave that ben- the beneficiary to a trust, it doesn't attract any estate. no estate duty exactly. in South Africa, correct? Mm.
2: So a bottom draw trust would work very well there. So and, exactly. that's, so and that's, and that's where you, you say
0: create a trust now, yeah, uh, but don't put any assets in. That's correct. what you. you exactly, to Gordon. That that's that's the what the benefits, you, One yeah. of the things
2: that you yeah do, get you the foundation advocate. up and running, yeah. and then wait, wait to inherit on
0: on death. but and also the beauty of that bottom draw trust is you can actually set up all the terms and conditions
2: now. Exactly, yeah, and Plus rather a letter of wishes. Yes. as opposed to trying to do it through an offshore will which has reference to a testamentary trust you as the South African don't know the executors. you don't know the trustees of that there's no letter of wishes where if you go the bottom door trust you can get all of that in place now establish the relationship establish the uh, letter of wishes and its in place waiting to receive it right, it's important
1: that you got the liquidity to pay these offshore taxes the offshore duties and that
0: product is a great mm-hmm. way to create liquidity. Well, let me quickly take Wayne. Wayne, go ahead with a question.
2: Hi, Brian. I, I know with the power of attorneys, they fall away um, when you become incapacitated. Who checks on these things? How often are they reviewed to make sure they're still valid by the institutions?
0: Okay, so Wayne, we'll answer we'll, we'll in the next segment. We've got to take a break. You're watching your new money. You can call us 11 Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to your new money. We're talking state planning this evening. If you'd like to call us, 11 Before we went to Air Wayne, asked about power of attorney. Yeah, p- You get a power of attorney, and yeah. p- everyone assumes that power of attorney is there until death. But yeah. he makes the point very that actually, point. at incapacity, right. that's when the power of attorney ends. So it happens often at, people don't know that. at the insurance company level, because uh, the
1: son will phone us, and he'll say, I want to change an investment. I want to switch. I want to sell. And the investment is in his father's name. And then we say to him, where's your father? If he says the father's traveling and I've got a power of attorney because he's out of the country, that's fine. But normally I'll say to us, my father can't sign, he's not able to sign. (coughs) And then we know straight away that power of attorney is invalid. And the problem in South African law is at the very time when you need a power of attorney the most, when dad's incapacitated, that's when it's not valid. Mm. In the UK, they've got something called an enduring power of attorney, where it can last forever. But that creates its own problems. There's a Mm. lot of cases there where dad now wants to pull out the power of attorney and he can't and then the son starts stealing money so there's not a perfect solution to this, but in well, South we don't Africa, have that in South Africa. During power of attorney, we don't have no. that in South
0: So, Gordon, if you act on the power
2: of attorney after the person is incapacitated, you're actually acting in fraud. Fraudulent? Yeah, you are. Yes, you are, because you've lost the capacity exactly. to carry out that particular <laughs> transaction. So, therefore, everything that you've done post the event is void. So, if you've got power of attorney and something then
0: happens to that individual who was incapacitated, say two or three years ago, uh, previously and you've got brothers and sisters and they feel you acted I- inappropriately, they could
2: actually yes, lay they claim could. And against that, you. And that's normally okay. the people who are going to blow the whistle, is those that are closest to the family.
0: Mervyn Imbelita says, I've been asked to act as a trustee in a will trust. How onerous is this, Gordon?
2: Uh, I <laughs> think I think he needs to be, he needs to appreciate the, the level of responsibility that goes with it. Uh, I've always said that if, if I hadn't been working for my previous company and covered by the professional indemnity, I wouldn't act as a trustee on, on someone else's trust. And you yeah. not, not in a personal capacity, anyway. Mm. I mean, this sounds like a personal case where you don't get paid for it, you spend
1: a lot of time, mm. and you've got all these onerous uh, responsibilities and obligations.
2: And if you it's breach un- one of them, you can be held personally liable in cases, they can take you on, yeah. you can end up in court. And it's unlimited from a time perspective as well. Exactly. So when you act as a trustee now, and we, if something goes wrong during that period, you might have resigned, but they'll still come back and hold you accountable for when you Thank acted you. in that time frame. So you do it as a favour, exactly. While the person's is alive, then the person's no
0: longer allowed, and then the the beneficiaries hold you responsible for something that bad happens. It's
2: a thankless. So trip. it's onerous.
0: It's a thankless. David trip. in Johannesburg, it says, have there been any further comments regarding the Davis Tax Committee recommendations? Harry, yeah. you're going to be on the budget show with me on the 21st. Yes. On the yeah. And, and uh, obviously, you've got an inkling of what may or may not happen. But any cha- any comments on the Davis? Nothing's activity? come out yet, so we'll have to wait and see what the finance minister says in the budget. I mean, uh,
1: we've had the third Davis committee report, of course, which we discussed here, but there's been no talk about it at all.
0: It's gone very quiet, mm. and either that means it's been shelved. Or maybe it's coming up in the budget. Haroldy e. Moselbay says, "My late husband left assets to me via a trust, and I'm an income beneficiary. And my children are the capital beneficiaries. The investments are not pr- providing me with enough income. It has been suggested that tr- trust distribute the assets to my children, who in turn have agreed to give me a
2: monthly income. Is there any problem with this?" Yeah, no. Well, I think y- from a children's perspective, they need to realise that anything that they give to their mother, from an income perspective. It's going to have to be with post-tax. So where it's in the trust and the trustees could then distribute that income to the mother, she would then be responsible for the tax. Whereas in this case, the children are the registered owners of the assets. The income accrues to or res- is received by them. They have to pay tax and then pay the surplus across to mom. Um, in addition, they just need to keep an eye on how much they're paying to her that it doesn't start falling foul of donations. He's got a 100000 They've got that hasn't 000.
1: changed for years. Not since 2007. I mean, there's another potential out which is much greyer if they can show it's as part of the maintenance of their mother. Yeah. But then they've got to show that they've got an obligation to maintain mm. her. They've got the capacity and she needs, and I mean, the other children could be dragged in there as well. So
0: it's not a straightforward exemption, mm. that one. Desmond in Durban says, I'm getting divorced. Can half of my living annuity be transferred into my wife's name? And can she draw whatever percentage she wants and pay the tax? Okay,
1: There's a fantastic case from 2016, which everyone in the industry keeps talking about Montanari versus Montanari. And that's a very cu- uh, case exactly in point where the court said the capital in the living annuity cannot be touched by the ex spouse for two reasons. Number one, the annuitant doesn't own the capital. The capital belongs to the insurance company. They've only got a right to income, not to capital. And the second reason is the Divorce Act, Section 7, doesn't include an uh, annuity in the definition of pension fund. And it's only Section 7 of the Divorce Act that gives the ex the right to claim against a pension provident or RA. So their capital is safe in a living annuity, the income can be Yes safe
0: it sounds as if they the, they want to actually split the living, they they can't. Want to. you can't even if you want to so so pl- so so you part of the income new, the annuitant who's receiving it is going to pay the tax and he can and give a post tax
1: money
0: from the income but the capital they can't transfer even if they want to the fund isn't allowed to do that prior to retirement if it was in a retirement annuity or pension or provident fund Or preservation fund, they could do it. Then in Section 7
1: of the divorce act kicks in and he can give her any percentage he wants to. He can give her 100% at date of divorce. Can't give anything post-divorce.
0: And then she'll pick up the taxes. Well, if she
1: takes uh, the cash, she'll pay the tax on the withdrawal tables. She can move that into a preserver or into another RA, if it's coming from an RA. And then there wouldn't be any tax. Okay, let me just
0: take Isaac's call. Isaac's good evening. Go ahead do the question. Sorry, Isaac, maybe if my producer got your number and we'd call you back. Nigel in Santa said, I would like to invest in property whereby I loan the money to a trust interest-free and the trust buys the home.
2: Will there be any tax consequences? Well, 7C doesn't apply to primary residences, so I'm assuming that this is his primary residence. No, I can't think of anything offhand. Uh, Harry, from your side, I mean, the loan goes in as a loan. There's no 7C. Uh, The property value takes growth, takes place in the hands of the trust. Uh unless
1: there are other assets in the trust. Unless they're other yeah, correct. There are Harry, w-
2: would you put a, a re- primary resident
1: into a trust? I wouldn't purely because of the capital gains problem. So if you sell your own primary residence, which you own, you get the two million primary residence abatement for capital gains tax. If it's in a trust, of course, you don't get that two million. So it's really a, a question of what you're more worried about. Are you worried about selling the property or are you worried about dying in the property? You know, if you die before you sell the property, then the
2: capital gains is not such a big deal. But if you sell the property before you die, then a two million rand is a big deal. Just one thing on what Harry said there is, I think a lot depends on the value of the property. You know, if you're talking Mm -hmm. about a five million, four million rand property and you look at how much it escalates, then it's not going to make much sense to buy it in a trust. If you were buying something down in Camps Bay or Clifton for 50 million rand, then if you're just assuming a 5% growth, that's two and a half million rand. You'd have to weigh that up that two-and-a-half million yeah. growth with regards to executors fees and additional estate duty tax compared to the two million exclusion that you lose out on. Correct. I agree with Gordon, it's just a
1: thing you'll find most people, unless they're really old, would sell the house before they
2: die. Mm-hmm. People tend to sell their houses
1: very, very regularly and then CGT is mm-hmm. the issue. Stephen, go ahead with your question please. Hello, Brian. Um, how can one get trustees to follow the beneficiary nomination
0: and not act in terms of Section 37? Are you talking about pension funds?
1: Must be. Oh, uh, yeah. Must well, be. No, you, you can't. You can't. Yeah. Section 37C overrides I just explain it. Mm. Under
0: a life policy or any other investment, you can leave it to a beneficiary. Correct. Under a retirement fund, you may nominate a beneficiary. Which is just a guide. It's a guide mm. to the trustees. Mm. And Correct. under Section 37C, they will have to determine mm. who are the dependents.
1: So pension provident, RA, or preserver, 37C kicks in, and the trustees have to exercise a discretion. You can't even ask them not to because they'll be overturned at mm. the adjudicator. Again, Brian, they're living in dirty that is not under 37 C so that's actually the answer the minute you turn 55 convert your RA, pension or whatever to a living annuity, and then it falls out of 37 C then you nominate a beneficiary
0: Carol in Port Elizabeth says is there anything wrong with having a joint will?
2: I'm not a big fan on it uh, I, th- I look at it from a practical perspective when you die the original will has to be handed in to the master so one of three things is going to happen the surviving spouse is going to remember to recall it or alternatively, uh, in which case life carries on as per normal, or alternatively, the surviving spouse remembers to recall it, but unfortunately the master has lost the file, or worst case scenario, the surviving spouse forgets to recall it, and then when they die, no one can find a will, in which Mm. case then they assume they've died intestate. And that's usually what happens anyway. Mm. They forget to do that.
1: Brian, the other problem with joint will is that you normally find that it's the wife who loses... Any say, because the husband
2: then nominates the executor and she's stuck yeah. that
1: executor. It just, there's no, there's no reason in 2018
2: for a joint will. You know what? The only thing about a joint will is is that you're just saving paper. That's that's the only reason. I okay. agree. Well, you can never anticipate what the future holds. However, you can ensure
0: that your loved ones are taken care of long after you've passed on. The concept of estate planning is to help you make the right choices in securing the financial well being of those you have left behind. It's important that you have access to all the right service providers who can give you the best possible advice in aspects of drafting wills and trustees. A regular review of these is essential. Gordon, Harry, thank you very much for joining me. It's important to note that our program is to provide information and should not be construed as advice. Next week's program will focus on investments. You need to get hold of me. My details will appear on the screen. I'd like to thank you for watching and good night.